Welcome, everybody. This is Sam. I'm here with Biz and Alexi. We're going to be talking about beauty pseudoscience today, which is a subject that I think this is kind of a daunting task because we've dedicated the majority of our podcasts to looking into different types of this sort of thing. Um, but we're really going to try to hone in on some very specific ideas that I think uh, we've touched on before, but not really fully unpacked. Yeah. I think this all seems like a good time because I think beauty pseudoscience has kind of lived online on various platforms for a while now, but I think it's becoming a bit more mainstream, like popping up on TikTok a lot, becoming more popular on YouTube, and people are just starting to dive into it more on their own versus just like consuming the content that's made about it. Yeah, and I would say it has kind of like sketchy underground political origins, but has developed mm-hmm. into this like super commercial and brand friendly thing that is almost unavoidable. It's just about like a changing perception of our understanding of beauty and like the labor that goes into it and like theories around it. And yeah, should we talk about that first? Just like where we see, like, what do we think of these like systems as symptomatic mm-hmm. of? I think we have a lot of thoughts about that. Yeah, I think we'll get into a lot of different things about this but I think more generally something I think our listeners will be really familiar with is I think a lot of these things are a reaction to specific types of I guess social politics that were emerging in the late 2010s like girl boss feminism and body Body positivity positivity and Gen Z seem to be kind of exhausted of this sort of thing as well as some younger millennials I think entering the workplace um you know, it was interesting when it first started out, of course, because I think that a lot of the critiques were initially quite valid. But the way that this has been kind of going towards, it's just become kind of worse than what it was reacting against, which I find really interesting because I thought that this was going to start out as like a critique that was extremely nuanced or filling in the holes that a lot of the stuff was bringing forth. But now it just seems like a new opposite a movement is happening that has like the same amount of holes in it and I think is more harmful you know yeah I feel like it's definitely an overcorrection um to how a lot of like self-acceptance rhetoric was really anti-prescriptive about when you get dressed or when you like want to feel more attractive actually leaning into your actual features or your figure And so this is all about using really like specific methods and techniques to enhance your own specific features and figure, but doing it in like a super intense way that like we said, mirrors like a pseudoscience versus just like, here are some tips if you have an hourglass figure. Yeah, I think like an alternate name for this could be something like beauty rationalism. I think that the pursuit of beauty especially as it relates to like women has always been seen as this thing that's like super rational and like men could never understand like oh why do you care so much about how you look you know a lot of men think it's unattractive to be like really obsessive about your appearance but I think that this kind of wave has attempted to take the emotion and like neurosis out Mm -hmm. of it and supplement it with studies and like systems of classification so people really feel like they can get results. No, I find it really interesting, especially how this operates on women. These different classification systems, and we're going to touch on a bunch of them, they're very archetypal. And I recently read Simone de Beauvoir, and I was very grateful to do so. It was really good. I'm surprised I hadn't read it before, but she kind of made a point that um, due to social upbringing, 
uh, women tend to lack a lot of free agency, especially in societies with excessive leisure time, like in the 19th century, sort of the emergence of the middle class in Britain, that sort of thing. And she posited that those who lack free agency in youth are generally more drawn to prefabricated archetypes in adulthood in order to complete the process of like knowing oneself and set limitations on your behaviors and actions and provide a guidebook to model oneself after because that obviously makes it a lot easier, you know, Um, and it's what you're familiar with. You know, there's just a lot of stuff tied to this, right? I think femininity is tied to it. I think youth is tied to it as well. Um, Yeah. Why don't we start with one of these pseudosciences? Wait, I feel like I want to talk about like lookism vibes more okay, okay, yeah. and talk about how we kind of think that that's on the come up as like another ism that's going to be taken as seriously as things like, you know, ableism. <laughs> Um, because this is something that I've been seeing on the rise for like a couple of years now. But also to that point, Sam, um, I don't want to break this book too much because like I don't want to act like I'm obsessed with it. But um, Naomi Wolf's The Beauty Myth, which was published in 1991, so it's not like super, super up to date, has a lot of interesting like statistics and insights on the way that perceptions of beauty have destroyed the minds of women everywhere. And one of her like things that she notices is that it's a little bit paradoxical, like, as women are becoming more and more, like, liberated or empowered in the workforce and educated, rates of anorexia and eating disorders are on the rise. Plastic surgery has been, like, doubling in its numbers every decade. So that's something interesting that I feel like she brought up about upbringing and, like, you know, not Mm -hmm. what you would think. Like, even though women are in the workplace and have, like, so much more to be concerned about, they're still, like, even more concerned about their appearance. That reminds me a lot of that classic study or pseudo study, whatever it may be, where it's like, we tested a group of men and we found out that the poor ones loved women with big titties. We found out that the rich ones loved really skinny women. Like it reminds me a bit of that. Um, I always hear yeah, that. Sure. Yeah. No, that I wonder what the truth behind that is because I see that all the time. And that's like, a, are you a boobs guy or a butt guy or whatever? And it kind of just tries to like, separate men by income and that sort of thing super strange yeah. I'm a heart guy <laughs> yeah it's like girl I'm in love yeah. with your mind yeah the education part of it is so interesting to me because she like just always brings up the fact that it's like these ivy league educated women who somehow are doing these really risky things being like completely unhealthily obsessed with their appearance um but it's for a reason uh should we define what lookism yeah. is and like what we think it says about our society. I mean, I guess lookism is discriminating against people because they are not conventionally attractive. And um, as we all know, I I don't even think we need to cite a scientific study on this. It's very experientially like confirmed that the more attractive you look, the more opportunities you get, the more privileges are afforded to you in the workplace, in your social life, in your personal life. Um, you kind of get allotted a special set of um, behaviors, you know, where people treat you very differently if you're attractive. Better access to yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah. Studies on this are insane, though, because, like, I feel like the one that really made me think <laughs> was the one about, like, if you're more attractive, people are less likely to find you guilty in, mm-hmm. like, a court setting. Oh, is that it's true? It's like, damn, like, you can literally do more do more time for being ugly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, stuff. I feel like it was, the, I feel like it was the opposite in the mainstream media where it was, like, Casey Anthony, everyone was like, lock her up, she's too fine, and, like, but I guess... That might have been the sexism. Yeah, yeah, campaign, that was, but... that's probably wasn't the best example as well, because it was such a complicated, huge 
and fall off case. But also I wanted to say, um, I guess the popular term for lookism in the 2010s was probably like pretty privileged. That was a word that circulated, I think, a lot then. Yeah. And now I think people yeah. are kind of reframing pretty privilege both as like lookism but also as like beauty as capital Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like evolved Mm -hmm. a bit in terms of how we talk about it I think I mean I think this is such a complicated conversation right because I do think it depends on um the type of pretty that you're presenting as because I think the Casey Anthony thing is like a very valid kind of a monkey wrench thrown into the argument right because I can think like Jodi Arias even um Anna Delvey you know women who present as very sexy in like court courtrooms they're almost like and I remember yeah like uh lawyers always dressing up their pretty clients in a more like matronly and um humble appearance you know to make them seem kind of more virtuous yeah, I feel like it's probably more of like a when it's a normal court case versus if it's like a televised court case where there's all this persona building, like thinking about like the Amanda Knox case as well, where like so much of how she was kind of represented in the Italian media and globally as like Foxy Noxy and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I feel like in real life, like it's classic, it's like all my friends that had like really pretty moms their moms would never get speeding tickets. Mm-hmm. They would just like start crying and it would really be effective. So lines up to me. No, yeah, I think I think you can even look into your own psyche and see that you probably trust a more attractive person over a less attractive person. And this is what's also really complicated about this is because this is probably the hardest um, ism to combat, I think, because it's so ingrained, you know, it's so like nearly impossible to eliminate totally, you know, like, I I don't know if we could ever overcome this as a society. I think it's because the internal work that you have to do to be like, oh, like I'm treating this person worse because they're ugly is to accept the fact that like some people are ugly, Mm -hmm. like some people are average looking and then some people are attractive, which is something that is like not really acceptable to say in our society. I think because there's, like, a lot more emotion tied to the perception of beauty and, like, less mm-hmm. objectivity. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've seen a lot of women on TikTok, like, wanting to talk about their experiences as not being conventionally attractive. And then, of course, all the comments you're are beautiful. like, you're beautiful. Like, your eyes are so pretty. And then they reply being like, thanks. <laughs> like, I get what you're trying to do. But this is, like, a part of the lookism conversation is that you have to acknowledge that like this thing is happening like not like they're being totally Mm -hmm. gaslit and I'm sure like they have beautiful eyes and stuff but they've been saying that it's really frustrating as an unattractive person to just like have people trying to tell you oh it's all in your head like you just have low Mm self-esteem but when it's like literally proven everywhere at every turn that more attractive people are living better lives and as someone who like looks max really hard I feel like I'm in a place where I can say I used to be pretty busted I got like more hot over the past two years like not to toot my own horn but like it was a very like concerted effort and like the quality of my life improved so much and I'm sure it has a lot to do with just like the confidence that Mm -hmm. comes from that but my mom was a beauty queen my sister is an Instagram baddie I would always see them getting treated different from me but now I'm like we're kind of on the same Mm -hmm. page this is where I also (laughs) want to get into these pseudosciences because there's definitely like a lot of truth to some of the things that are being um, touted as like life-changing activities, you know, like um, one is like Kibe body typing, which is really popular on TikTok. I was actually, Kibe body typing is this method of like typifying female bodies in order to help them dress better and dress for their bodies. It was developed by David Kibe, who was a celebrity image consultant in the 80s. And 
he was like very inspired by old Hollywood glamour. And he created like this system with 13 different body types that meld different, different degrees of yin energy and yang fem- energy. Yin energy is feminine energy. Yang energy is masculine energy. And so all, each of these body types come with recommendations for clothing. Right. And like, I was getting really into this during the pandemic and I typified my, I, I found my Kiwi body type and it made me feel better because I would sometimes get frustrated when clothes didn't fit me. And I would think, oh, like maybe I need to like really exercise or start dieting or whatever. But what I realized is that like, no matter how much I diet or exercise, no matter how much I try to like change my body, there's going to be some clothes that are simply not going to fit me. And like, I have to just accept that and be okay with that. And so there's like positive ways of approaching that sort of thing. But the way that I'm seeing it emerge with like modern women is absolutely toxic. And so like, I can't fully advocate for this because I think it's causing a lot of hyper-focus on people's bodies, which I think is going to enhance insecurity. Yeah. It also has that, because the actual um, means to typify your body using the Kibbe system is once again, feels like quite scientific, but also a bit, um, Mm -hmm. what is the word for this? Like superstitious or something. Like, it's like, there's this element you can't really put your finger on in terms of why this person is this type of body type. But I can see why it would really feed into maybe this compulsion that Alexi mentioned with, like, really highly educated women. Um, because it has this, like, weird, rigorous, almost impossible to crack. But, like, you feel like you, if you learn enough, you can really understand your body type. Um, versus, like... What the Kibbe system kind of was designed to replace was the fruit system, which is like you're shaped like a pear or you're shaped like an apple or I actually yeah. don't know what there is besides a pear and an like apple. A, a banana. Banana. <laughs> banana. <laughs> banana. <laughs> I'm definitely banana type. No, but yeah, I think those systems, when you think about it, like, yeah, they're these cutesy classifications, but they can mm-hmm. be figured out with measurements. Yeah. It's basically like, mm-hmm. is your bust bigger than like your waist, hips, whatever, like those three units and the thing about kibby is that like there are certain parts that measurement can like help you decide something but rather than height it focuses on vertical yeah. line which is like how tall you look rather than how tall you actually are based on like your torso to leg ratio and things like fleshiness which he insists aren't like yeah. the same as fat mm-hmm. <laughs> like so it's like these this weird vocabulary that's like, I think I get it, but like I can't really be sure. And there are tons of people who like make a living off of, you know, consulting based on this. But all three of these systems that we're using as examples today have a certain mm-hmm. level of question mark about it. It claims that once you do figure out the type that you are, your life will be like a movie and you will never mm-hmm. have any questions about like what to wear again or how to style yourself and you will come into your true form they can be typing boards on reddit and stuff once you get the skill to like analyze this in people i don't really understand but people seem to like to do it for fun on these reddit boards people will anytime there's a new celebrity or like famous woman they'll like post 10 bikini pictures of her and be like what do we think that she is guys i don't know her vertical line is like this but her arms are kind of short and i'm like what are you guys getting yeah another interesting one of his characteristics is like width what's once again doesn't have to do with how wide your actual body is you can be like a tiny petite woman and you have like a a heavy width so it does kind of it really Mm -hmm. distorts reality but like in an interesting way um yeah 
That's the other thing about all of these systems and getting really into like looks maxing and beauty pseudoscience and being interested in like this element of beauty at all. I feel like it has actually kind of fucked up the way that I like look at people. I am mm-hmm. using mental calipers on everyone and I'm just like, why are they attractive to me? And it's a shitty way to like go around the world. I want to be able to have like a holistic impression of someone and not be trying to like figure out the math of their like face every day. Well, this is something where I I do want to tie it back to Simone de Beauvoir's point, because I really think there is just so much comfort in abdicating a sort of like knowledge and expertise to like an already existing pre-established system, right? This is also like, you know, this... We, ha- we see this phenomenon a lot in our society with like the phenomenon of like all these like abstract experts that are like an expert on a specific subject, but like nobody knows how and the subject doesn't even seem to exist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When I did my Kibe body typing, I already knew that what my Kibe body type was before even understanding what Kibe was, right? But I just like never trusted myself enough to know that like my body wasn't going to fit into certain clothing, like no matter how hard it, that I tried. And I just think a lot of this is like you need kind of an external authority to like confirm your own suspicions about yourself. And I think a lot of this can be solved if we just increase trust in our own like agency, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's definitely, I think that can probably be pretty consistent across the board with these. I I know with seduction techniques and seduction tips that are also kind of part of this, a huge one is like different ways to maintain eye contact or make direct eye contact but literally anyone knows that like the way to kind of flirt with someone um without using your voice is to look at them in the eyes um so yeah i agree i agree it's kind of about rebranding these things that a lot of people already know about themselves and how they Mm -hmm. interact with the world i think it's like maybe a lot of people don't know and i think that's why this is having a renewed appeal with young people you do kind of need someone to tell you at some point and some people like really don't have the aesthetic sense or feel kind of like clueless about like how they're perceived so I think it could be helpful for them I do think a little bit about that though is maybe harmful right because it's like they obviously don't know because they're young and they don't have the experience to know right but I think like going into the world unwashed is like very important for like young people to do like you need to kind of like like derival mm-hmm. of these things like out of your own volition yeah there's something so funny about imagining like a 17 year old rocking up with like their kibe body type their like color <laughs> season and their like seduction seduction techniques like it's so opposite to how you kind of like enter mm-hmm. styling yourself as a young person yeah it's very- it has astrology vibes which is another, yeah um you don't want to say pseudoscience. Agreed. But it's another system. Women that be loving this. Women, yeah. be women love it. Okay, so seduction archetype. So so I think the seduction archetypes that are circulating currently seem really tied to those that were proposed in The Art of Seduction, um, which is an international bestseller by the American author Robert Greene, which he published in 2001. Um and it examines social power through the lens of seduction, and it profiles nine types of seducers from, like, the coquette, the natural, to the siren. And you may have seen those words kind of popping up on TikTok in terms of, like, once again, like, being, like, this is, like, why Bella Hadid is, like, so seductive, or, like, this is what her beauty represents um, and why it's so alluring. But there's another type of seduction tip that's trending, which isn't really tied to archetypes. It's just, like, tips. So one is, like, the triangular gaze, which is like staring into the left eye, the right eye, and then the mouth and making a triangle with how you look at someone. Um, 
Another one is red nail theory, which is just that men go buck wild for red nails. Uh, there's one that's went like super, super viral, which is vabbing, oh, which God. is basically putting your pussy juice on that you. That was psycho, dude. It was psychotic. That one went super viral, though. Um, and how it makes people obsessed with you, makes men obsessed with you. Uh, and then... Pheromones. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then last kind of two that are pretty... Uh, big on TikTok is like one technique of drawing four white dots around your eyes. Once again, said to make you just like super alluring. And the last one is like sirenize, which isn't technically um, in this kind of specific seduction category, but obviously a siren has this like overwhelming seducing power on men. So that being so popular definitely speaks to that in my opinion. This is where I think we can get into hypergamy, right? Because it just clicked for me that the art of seduction is like the female version of the 48 Laws of Power, which is like the other book that he wrote, which is more focused on like gaining power in more traditional, more institutional ways, you know, um, or social, right? But I think with women, there's like this whole other type of like power climbing, you know, like beauty is social currency. On that note, like, um, so I've read part of this book the art of seduction by robert green i think it's probably worth reading just since it is like a classic it's better to get from the source than tiktok i guess um but basically (laughs) he profiles like nine types of seducers but he also profiles 18 types of seduction victims um (laughs) and like how how you can exercise your power on them which definitely seems like really relevant in this like tiktok hypergamy age and Mm -hmm. Should we define hypergamy? Yeah. I feel like it's not like, yeah. that common. Uh, yeah. Hypergamy, the action of marrying or forming a sexual relationship with a person of a superior mm. sociological or educational background. It's like, to put it simply, not like fucking your way up to the top, but kind of social climbing through seduction. Like upward mobility, uh, gold digging. Like these are all yeah. words that people probably have applied to it. Yeah, this is another thing I wanted to bring up is that like all of these systems have a very, very binary view of masculinity and femininity. I don't know what's going on with this like battle of the sexes vibe that's happening right now. Uh, but something about like the victim and the like attacker kind of like model of seduction is so funny to me because I don't know. It seems a little bit more discursive than that. Like, oh, I've, I mean, that's like a super Machiavellian and, and negative. And like, I really, um, as much as I find some of this stuff fun, just even especially just for our listeners, because I just feel responsible to like disclaim that like this stuff is a little bit psycho and like don't let this drive you crazy. Like, we need to like develop an increased sense of empathy, you know? That's like a, but I, I do think like the 48 Laws of right. Power is an interesting book. This is what's complicated about this sort of thing, right? Is because there's some truth to all of these things. But if you start taking this as gospel, you're in a lot of trouble, you know? (laughs) Let let my life be a cautionary tale. I I don't think it's like truly a cautionary tale, but like mentally, I love classification. Like ever since I was a kid, like I think it just helped me make so much sense of the world. And it's also like fun. And it's also makes you feel smarter i guess that's the pseudoscience part of it i mean like i've never read this book but i do think that dating can be so fun if you're like really good at it but i think i'm missing the empathy um chip or something and i think that's what's making it really fun yeah i mean i think that what defines the seducers is that they're like this really good balance of 
confident but like not cocky and I think that when people try to lean too far into like their own mm-hmm. seduction archetype without being really natural at it or doing it with a fine tune I'm guessing that it could just be unattractive to people but also at the same time Barbara Green says that the 18 types of people who are not seductive they're all different but they're all anti-seducers because they're in some way like really insecure which is interesting again because like this mad dash towards becoming more seductive and attractive really does seem like it's motivated by insecurity for a lot of people that are um, Mm -hmm. so interested in it and why it's become so popular Mm -hmm. on apps like TikTok where a lot of people do tend to be younger and figuring themselves out. No, and this is what I wanted to get into with like the Zoomer flex machine a little bit. And this is why I do think we have like a collective growing pain moment right now. Like Zoomers are experiencing a lot of growing pains combined with like independence and responsibility, you know? And I think that because there's almost been this stunting of growth because of the pandemic, which is, you know, if you're between the ages of 16 and 20, like when the pandemic started, like definitely you missed out on some really important things that maybe could be, you could psychologically feel like these like different systems of classification, like are going to help you in the world. Cause it is super unfair, right. That you're just kind of thrown into a world without like a lot of experience with interpersonal relationships, you know, and I like totally understand why this is like an attractive thing, but I do think like there's lessons to be learned about. Like there's like a zoomer flex machine. I think that a lot of zoomers feel like maybe like flexing is, I don't know, there's like a delicate balance between like being proud of like accomplishments, achievements, what you have, who you are. And there's also like another side of it, which is like pride, which signals insecurity, you know? And I think like, like the more you kind of latch on to a certain amount of pride, like the more insecure you become and this becomes kind of like a cycle, right? You have to be really careful with how you like treat yourself, you know? And that needs to come from like within yourself, not from a book. I mean, I advocate reading books, but <laughs> it needs to cut, like, you know, like read, read books, don't watch TikTok is what I will say. I mean, you can watch it if you want, but I don't know. Sorry not to be like... <laughs> <laughs> no, I was saying read books, don't watch TikTok. It really is like kind of a major grift for all of these content creators who make content about this because you literally yes. can just like read the book and like paraphrase it in like 600 different ways. Yeah. I'll get into this when I talk about my section on the seasonal color analysis, but like reading the actual book, like you think that TikTok condenses things and makes them more easy to digest, but they've actually just like exploded it into like mm-hmm. a go to part three, part four, like content machine. And now that I'm reading books, I'm really like, wait, books actually slay. Like I don't have to watch some like annoying lady with a tiny microphone. Yeah. It's also really fun to read The Art of Seduction because it is like one of those kind of like pop mainstream bestsellers, which are always fun to read. And then also I was Mm -hmm. doing a bit of wee research into like the girls who make videos about seduction archetypes on TikTok. And like you said, but like there's this one girl who just does like the backflash on her camera and she's like wearing a lot of highlighter. And she honestly looks really good, but she just repeats like the pa- the, the passage from Robert Greene's book. And someone in the comments, it's like, so somebody read the the art of seduction. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like when you think about it, like like one video that just has one sentence on it will take up it like, definitely more time will. than it would be to just read the sentence like as a more paragraph. Yeah. And people tend to focus on the ones that seem really relevant to our current media landscape. So they'll focus a lot on like the coquette or the siren as exemplified by like Bella Hadid, but they don't focus on the male rake or the dandy. 
<laughs> Wait, okay, the dandy is my favorite. I love the dandy. Wait, you can be a female dandy? No, 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 because actually the art of seduction is not only for women. The The rake is a male. Mm-hmm. Oh, the male rake. I was thinking like a girl holding a rake and she's like raking in the man. Mm-hmm. It's such like an old-timey word. It was like a cat on a hot dinner. Also, <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I feel like Robert Greene is kind of trustworthy because he is a, a wee bit, a wee bit aged and busted now. He actually has to yeah. fuck mm-hmm. himself. <gasps> and what? Yeah, he does have. Okay, okay, okay. So a rake is a stock character in a historical context for for rake hail, analogous to rake Hellraiser, who was a man habituated to a mor- moral context particularly womanizing wow i want to use that word more often i think the rake i definitely Ooh. know some rakes wow. here and there um what's i gonna say wait do you guys think that there's something to the fact just in terms of historical context that all three of these things that we're talking about like came out of the 80s mm-hmm. i was gonna go on a rant about in the 80s there all these things emerged because of increased materialism mm-hmm. and in general there is Increased materialism in times of economic strife, like a pretty solid metric is that plastic surgery rates tend to rise among the middle classes during times of recession. And right now we're in, eh, we're in a recession, I guess. We're experiencing a lot of economic strife and have had a lot of insecurity in our society the past five, six, seven years. I don't really know how long it's been, but I do think there is a keeping up with the Joneses mentality that emerges during times like these. I think people who lack money and lack resources and experience a lot of suffering because of that, they tend to go are more attracted to mentalities that are like, oh, money must be the most important thing in the world because that's what I'm lacking right now. And that's why I'm so miserable. And I think the general goal for a lot of these things is hypergamy, like marrying rich, which is a huge thing on TikTok right now is you know, we don't want no broke boys, like city girls mentality, that sort of thing, which is, again, some truth to it. Don't go marrying some guy with $100,000 in credit card debt, you know, like don't put yourself in a situation where you're marrying somebody who is deeply, who's in deep economic trouble, but also you're going to put yourself in a similarly precarious situation if you marry someone simply for their money. Like you're going to end up divorced by 40 and you're not going to have anywhere to turn if you don't have like your own method of making money you know like if you're entirely dependent on a man that's just not a good move you know you need to kind of have you know something to jump off of I do think it comes from a generation of women especially I see a lot of like black women and like women of color being like trying to break some kind of intergenerational issue of dating deadbeats or being kind of like a struggle wife or thinking that there's something virtuous about like struggling through something with someone because we've seen that in like our own family tree but yeah like overcorrection as you said biz um wait i wanted to say another thing there's like the lipstick effect which is something that (laughs) economists talk about like whenever there's an economic crisis like lipstick sales go up because people are more willing to spend on like small luxuries that makes them feel like their you know everyday life is like better yeah there's actually an interesting part to that which is that specifically when the lipstick effect was first observed it was small luxuries that women could use in public spaces so like lipstick lipstick versus like an expensive like makeup remover or like face cream or something so something that they could Uh, um use publicly Mm -hmm. like performative yeah i got an email from robin hood about the lipstick effect (laughs) they were like sephora stocks are up oh wow yeah the lipstick effect is interesting though because it also definitely has well there's a couple things about lipstick effect one 
we're living post mask so like it's a bit wonky um and then also Mm -hmm. there was this kind of evolution of the lipstick effect that was coined a few years ago which was called like the nail index which is basically that young women were (sighs) spending their discretionary income um on getting like really fancy manicures which definitely does track i think as well oh yeah and also dior lip products i feel like have definitely made their in their impression <laughs> the dior lip glow effect mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like the 2022 yeah no literally update. it's the dior lip glow <laughs> effect for sure yeah because i mean the same way of like people using lipstick in public it's like now you need the dior lip glow to just like be an instagram accessory yeah. or like for the flat lay yeah. like tiktok fake messy like mm-hmm layout on your bed that's really funny because getting your nails done has become such a ritual in the modern day and I, I will say this does track for myself personally where I you know when I'm kind of like down bad broke which I am a little bit right now um I do tend to really spend a lot of money on getting my nails done or getting makeup or buying new clothes because it kind of eases my suffering yeah. um and makes me feel less insecure about like my economic position but hypergamous dating coaches would insist that that's all an investment that you're going to get a return on, which mm-hmm. is like a very dangerous mindset that I'm trying to free myself from because like this, it's so 80s, this understanding of like money and value and beauty all just being so transactional. And it's also so just like hetero vibes where it's just like you are giving a man your beauty. He is giving you money, but it's like in these indirect ways where it's like you're going to dinner, like you're spending a long time getting ready. Time is of course a part of the equation. Wait, Alexi, your sister made that really funny TikTok that was like, we go out to dinner, I get like good wine, good conversation, free meal, you get blue balls. And then (laughs) (laughs) that was my sister's viral TikTok moment. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. Oh, she's just like me for real. But like, to be fair, I think my sister and I are both, I don't think we're delusional. I think we're like fun girls to hang out with, but it, it is like, you know, I do feel like the thing about, I'm not like super like insane about hypergamous dating, but we're just like, I'm not paying for shit if I'm like with a guy. Like, no, I think yeah. my company is valuable, but also I'm not the type that's like going to go on a date with a guy that I don't fucking care about or someone who I like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That That's the thing is I don't get how a lot of these girls live with themselves and I can't tell if it's an act for social media of them just being like, make his pockets hurt. Like I'm dating all these guys at the same time. I'm just like, to be spending that much time with someone and to be mentally like thinking that you're playing a trick on them. Mm-hmm. It just seems so, like, hard to keep up. Yeah. Also, I will say, like, none of us are examples of this because, like, we each have, like, careers and, you know, like, different interests and stuff, which I really want to advocate for women. You know, it's just, like, if you have it, just get a degree and get a job and, like, you know, like, that is very important. But, yeah. Honestly, this this whole hypergamy light, whatever is very entrepreneurial but take your entrepreneurial skill mm-hmm. and maybe start a business yeah yeah be i do think sam your point about like character like is really important yeah. like you can do all of these things yeah. and be like finessing guys and stuff but like at the end of the day like do you like do you like yourself <laughs> type yeah. of vibe but also i will like getting a degree like i would say most of the like career sugar babies in new york yeah. do have degrees mm-hmm. um but they just are probably from an art school or you know there are a lot of like low-paying jobs like Mm -hmm. from an art school background yeah this is a good um lifestyle subsidiary vibe which I don't want to get into my economic situation but I will say that dating 
makes my life a lot better in the sense that like I get to experience things that I you know wouldn't on my own yeah yeah I mean like I want to get into the psycho mathematic equation Mm -hmm. that I did um take it away because (laughs) I just think all right (laughs) get out the blackboard so here I just feel like this is fun and like we're young we're having fun I'm just gonna try to touch on poor temporal perception about hyper focus on beauty, right? Like you enter the sexual marketplace, let's say ages 16 or 17, and you exit the sexual marketplace at about age 35. Some people say younger, I'm going to say age 35. Um, So the the time that you spend in the sexual marketplace is like 18 or 19 years. And the average female lifespan is 78. So beauty is really only important for about 22% of your lifespan. And the larger conclusion of this is that if lifelong happiness is a concern from you, it's better to preoccupy yourself with character development over appearance enhancement. Because no matter what, like we're all going to have to face our aging faces in the mirror. And like, we just have to like reckon with that. And like having interests outside of like your own beauty and like developing like intellectual like hobbies or getting like career advancement or something like that, you know, that is actually important for your confidence and your sense of self. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, girl boss feminism, like go reject like every possible uh, outcome of your life, except being like the CEO of your girl company. But, you know, it is important to have something for yourself to call your own, just for your own happiness. You know, I think that's really important, you know? Yeah, I guess people see, I feel like I see this conversation around this right now happening with the stay-at-home girlfriend trend which is that people like are like, okay, it's fine for you to stay home and kind of be taken care of by a man, but you can only do it after you're married because he can leave you at any moment. And then you have nothing to kind of fall back to if you haven't um, kind of built a career outside of it that's really easy to Mm -hmm. go back to. Yeah. And I'm also not trying to be like, oh, your man's going to like leave you and like what's going to happen then. But and we're, and we're just like, this is going to make you feel good about yourself, you know, and like the kids will also leave the house eventually, too. And you're going to want to yeah. occupy yourself with something, you know, like I feel like I have some addendums about this uh, being that I think this is like a huge thing for like our mom's generation, which is, you know, like having a priority on marriage somewhat young and then divorce was like a huge problem for our parents generation and then like you know you end up divorced then you're like who am I there's kind of this loss of identity um so I don't think you like like exiting the sexual marketplace is not something that happens once Mm -hmm. like you a lot of people in their middle age are still dating so I would argue that beauty is really important then too and it's I feel like kind of the thesis of like the lookism thing is that it never stops being important like it is an important part of like finding a mate and that's what a lot of the hypergamy stuff is about but like it's the everyday interactions mm-hmm. in which it matters as well I do think that it's like it's not a total waste of time I just think it depends on like balancing your portfolio a little bit <laughs> like exactly being interesting and interested in beauty and like being beautiful is like your only thing Probably not going to turn out well, but... No, that's totally like, true. Everyone should be thinking about it a little bit, but not everyone should be going crazy. Wait, we should talk about the, like, sex work light kind of element of this. So there was this one TikTok of this, like, hypergamy girly who is, like, sitting at a restaurant by herself, like a fancy restaurant, and she is, like, doing these exaggerated, like, double takes over her shoulder like trying to make eye contact with this guy and the caption is like when you're trying to like get this guy to notice you 
to like strike up a conversation so we can pay for your dinner but like the waiter keeps on going up to him and like talking to him and it's things like this that are like weird dating strategy things where it's like okay girl like this is literally like prostitution cruising vibes you know like you're exaggeratedly like eating dinner alone and like staring down this guy to try to get him to pay for your dinner like it's a bit pathetic do you know what I mean yeah I think well that for me the concern is like that could be kind of dangerous you know like get into that with knowing what you're doing and try to be safe I feel like a lot of high programming tips it's like go to a bar where the most rich and desperate men are by yourself late at night. So yeah. much content like this in New York. It's like, all mm-hmm. oh, the daddies are here. And it's like, ew, like that doesn't sound fun. Yeah. No, because we need to like really, I think it also highlight like the fact that this does like, we did kind of get into complex territory whenever we started destigmatizing sex work, right? Which I think it's important to not, like we need to like focus on people's safety you know, I don't think that people who do sex work deserve to be shamed, but I do think also like we need to understand that like these things do come with consequences and like they do like safety is really important when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, and also I think in general, I want to bring into like bring in, bring this into like Victorian gender dynamics a little bit, because I do think like this does give a little like Victorian vibes of like women as eternally infantilized, passed on from one guardian, which is your father, onto like another, which is your husband or another man. You know what I mean? And so that right now. <laughs> I just don't I just think like the overarching goal for this, like getting snatched up by a guardian is like this is or or you get and this can come in many forms, right? Like you get like an actual rich husband or you get special privileges afforded to you in the workplace or like a leisurely influencer lifestyle funded by like hordes of adoring fans. This is like a gamble. And I think like when people partake in this, you need to understand it as a gamble, right? And I do think like what you what you said, Alexa, about diversifying your portfolio of interest is really important because you do kind of need to have a backup plan for certain things. You never know what's going to happen. I do think like we need to kind of empower. I, I hate saying, you know, I know that this is like a reaction to like really toxic feminism. The girl boss reaction coming from you right now. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm really like, I'm in my new feminist era. Like I rejected a lot of feminism a couple of years ago, but I think now I'm just like, no, like I just know so many like smart women that like don't need to be doing this. And like, I just want to see everybody happy and safe. You know, that's like my concern. So yeah, but I do think there's a reason why this is a thing for even for like educated women or women that have a lot of like career opportunities. There's this one influencer girl named Clark who lives in New York, who like, it's a student at Columbia. I think she's like in law school. She has like this insane like CV on her. She's just like a genius, but she's also like her whole thing is just dating really rich guys um, who are like way older. And it's a bit concerning, but it's also kind of like the thing about men these days is that I do think that they want that you know they want like someone impressive because they do still want to um like impress people in their social circle yeah um yeah I don't know there are a lot of these like covert ways that if you're like super cynical you can just see like all of these things as trading beauty or sex for money or like material experiences um but I just want to advocate for like not being naive like a lot of men will expect sex from you like you could only go so far on a little like cute dinner moment Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) yeah there's there's always these conversations in that girl clark's um tiktok which is always like questioning her 
rational mind basically and being like I know you think you're like you're in control or whatever but you're actually only like 20 and you'll look back and realize that you weren't but then she'll make videos back to that saying like you don't know me like you don't know what I'm doing you don't know anything about me so there's an interesting conversation developing around like feminine naivete in the comment sections Mm -hmm. of these like um these girls that are going on these fancy dates on tiktok with men Mm -hmm. i mean i don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to go on a fancy date i don't think there's anything wrong either with being a stay-at-home wife a stay-at-home mom those things i think are extremely noble i think what's important is to like be realistic about this sort of thing you know i guess they also these dates don't show that you actually have to talk to the men you're with and i feel like that's the big thing that's missing is like it's kind of like yeah like get his bag but it's like really hard to be an actual misandrist if you have to hang out with men all the time and mm-hmm. like talk to them and like indulge them and laugh at their jokes in order to keep that dynamic alive where they still want to um yeah she's definitely putting in the mm-hmm. work <laughs> um yeah i just think you don't see, you know, TikToks are, so this is another problem too, right? It's like this, these things are pseudosciences because anything from TikTok is, is so short and unnuanced that you're not going to see like the full story of this. Um, yeah. So you don't see like what she's actually doing. You just see like the good parts, you know, and, you know. The martinis it, and the helicopter mm-hmm. of the Hamptons vibe. Yeah, just, just like being a stay-at-home mom, this is real work and it's hard. Like there's no easy ticket to a a meal like you don't get a meal ticket for free like you're gonna have to work for it no matter what you do you know so like I think in general if you're trying to do this sort of thing understand that it's going to be work and if you're trying to do it because you don't want to work like accept that you're going to have to work at some point and choose what you enjoy so that it's easier to get a bag you know I don't know it's my advice yeah, I guess the question is, like, is there such thing as living life on easy mode? Because I was just thinking about Colombia and how... Um, Girl, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I was just thinking, <laughs> I was just thinking about Colombia and um, how the main character of, like, my year of rest of relaxation went to Colombia. And, like, mm-hmm. that whole book is about how she is, like, living life on easy mode. But, like, she's really miserable. Not that that's, like, a very um, realistic to how a lot of these people are living. But... Mm-hmm. because that's what we're yeah. debating right yeah, now i would say that sam there are people that truly like don't work mm-hmm. like and they do just like hang out and like have really like a fun time <laughs> but like are they feeling mentally good like i don't know mm-hmm. like well i think this is where poor temporal perception gets into this sort of thing right because i think like yeah your youth is like like you can definitely like there's definitely not going to be a person that's like walking the face of the earth and their entire life is being lived on easy mode and like i think like a lot of things with youth is like work hard when you're young so that you don't have to work hard when you're old and tired, you know, like you, it's like a very, this is very rare, right? Living life on easy mode for your entire life. And there are probably people in their youth that are just kind of on easy mode, like lay about that sort of thing. I think there are people like that, but they're, they're extremely like mentally troubled because they're just idle and they'll like kill themselves. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them, like, this is a thing that I've had to deal with, uh, because it would be great to just think that, um, you know, everyone has their struggles, which they do. But, like, some people's lives are really just, like, mm-hmm. super fucking easy and nice. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, good for it them. Happens. Congratulations. I mean, that's not, that's <laughs> yeah. not unfortunate. That's great. I mean, like, I don't think that that's, like, a bad thing. You know, if you're, if you're, if people are happy, that's yeah. great, right? But I wouldn't generalize that as, like, the majority of the world. That's, like, an extreme rarity. And I also don't necessarily think that that's something that just 
persists for the rest of your life. Like you're always going to kind of come, come across like obstacles and troubles, you know? And like, as much as like you might have kind of like a trust fund or something like that, you know, life comes at you pretty quickly. You never know what's going to happen. You know, your health is not guaranteed. The health of your loved ones is not guaranteed, you know? Yeah. I was thinking about like the, the old adage of like money can't buy happiness. And I feel like the common reaction to that is like, you know, only people that have always had money tend to think that. And I think it works the same way for beauty. Like people that are beautiful and have been beautiful their whole lives, like don't think about it really. They just think it's like, you know, this is what life is like, but only in its absence, et cetera. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, there was something kind of interesting from Naomi Wolf's book that I just remembered that was kind of about like what has become expected of women post quote unquote empowerment, like women entering the workplace. And I think one thing that she said was like, you know, before in like a typical family dynamic, the like daughters in the family would get the expectations from their mother, which is to just like find a partner, have a kid, like continue that cycle. And then the son would get from the father, like, be successful, like also get married, but like become a provider. But I think now it's like really stressful for women because you're getting the shit from both parents. Mm -hmm. Like you're expected to be successful and to like provide for yourself, but you're also expected to like at some point find a way to be a mother. So I think that a lot of these things, like these um, pseudoscience things and like the focus on beauty is an effort to relieve that pressure in a way. And I acknowledge the struggles of women to just like, I, I see why it's appealing as a young woman to see it as like an easy way out or like living on easy mode vibe. And this is like always like an incel thing is that incels are always saying, or just like misogynists. They're just like, damn, like women have it so easy, mm-hmm. um, which we don't, but no, and there's nothing easy about um, a lot of the department of getting dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say that um, it's sometimes a little easy. Yeah, I guess I would say in the 20th century, women were, like, getting married on survival mode because, like, they didn't have a means to provide for themselves. But now it is a bit of a choice. Mm -hmm. But I do think it has a lot more to do with, like, happiness and people are considering family as, like, an actual thing that makes your life better rather than just, like, an expectation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think millennials are, like, struggling through that right Mm now. But I love family. (laughs) I think that everyone should (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, where am I going with yeah, this? Yeah, I'm kind of like losing my, my train of thought a little bit. My pro-natal agenda. <laughs> Everyone have kids. Should I talk about um seasonal color analysis? We've also been recording for like an hour already, so probably good to move on to seasonal color analysis. Okay, yeah. so our last example is the practice of personal color analysis, which is a method of determining colors that complement a person's unique combination of complexion, hair, eyes for use in personal style consulting. And it's kind of been around since like the mid 19th century, but like (laughs) all great things, it was refined in the 1980s and commercialized and has seen a big resurgence on TikTok and like since the 2010s in general. And in the US, it's kind of had this weird like Avon lady vibe. Like people, like kind of stay at home moms would like do this as a professional service. Like they would do a house call and like drape different colors across you and, you know, like give you your new color palette and tell you that it would change the way that you shop and people will perceive you differently and you'll just like become born anew. And while there are metrics that are really easily visible, like hair color, like you can't really get that wrong. There are these kind of weird, like witchy elements to it. Like 
undertones are definitely a real thing, but all of the personal color analysis women possess this strange oracle-like quality where they act like they can see things that you can't. Like, they're literally acting like there's, like, a frequency of color that they can, like, perceive on you that will just, like, change the way people see you. Especially on TikTok, like, I always see people really exaggerating this. Like, they'll drape one color across a woman, they'll be like, look at how haggard and disgusting she looks. boo! ugly (laughs) and then they'll put another color on her and they're like all of her wrinkles have disappeared her eyes are sparkling and like she's glowing from within and you just look like you need to talk to her immediately and i'm like okay like no and also like why is she wearing like barney (laughs) purple like it looks that good but um it is really fascinating to me that it's like on the come up now and it's always in like the seasonal form so everyone gets diagnosed as like summer winter soft autumn etc and biz you can jump in on this because you actually were victim (laughs) personal color analysis i recently had my colors red i definitely think it does have that witchy oracle vibe where it's like kind of has like a shark bait hoo-ha-ha type of vibe where like everyone sits around you and they're like when you put a color on their face it looks bad they're like boo ugly 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 ugly." (laughs) and then like you put on like like said like barney purple and they're like oh my god boots 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 like (laughs) yeah maybe that's why it's so good on tiktok because so many forms of content are just like i don't know to put it simply just like things going from one thing to another thing you know like a glow up transition like yeah before Mm -hmm. and after like that just has the most catchy engagement thing to it yeah and um I personally felt like I was a Salem witch when I was getting my colors red because I didn't like everyone staring at me and being like boo ugly (laughs) and then be like oh you look nice and barney purple but um I found out that I am a winter (laughs) Which is apparently the no. I'm a summer. I'm a summer. I'm a summer. Okay, I thought I'm you were a summer. summer. Yeah, five hundred days. Yeah, yeah. I was no. about to be so gagged. I was about to think boo. Yeah, I mean, no. I'm a summer. Um, it's apparently the rarest color type here in the UK. She told me. Natasha told me. Ooh. Um, and it. I I don't know. Like, I think that it definitely has this like hive mind aspect to it where like one person will be like mm, I'm not sure about that color and then like even if you don't necessarily feel that way you're like yeah boo ugly it, it there's just something about it that is like <laughs> truly like it's so experiential it's so experiential and it's gone to the like tiktok comment section now which is like I think why it's so addictive mm-hmm. yeah and tiktok um, also made a filter where it's like find your color season so it's literally built into the app's mm-hmm. DNA at this point I was just going to say, I'm going to link to the original 1980 publication, Color Me Beautiful by Carol Jackson, which um, is a great book and it's got tons of photos, but like, just like read it. Like the wording of it is really funny. And um, I was just going to say like, you know, this was like really popular among middle-aged American women and they really like shilled out for it and it was kind of like an MLM vibe because it promised like a transformative effect, like, and kind of told them that once you have this color palette that flatters you like you're not gonna waste money on clothes that you never wear and like you're not gonna you know get dressed in the morning and feel like shit but it actually is like still an issue for people that don't have personal style like carol jackson's whole portfolio is just like i don't know like after like yeah they do look better in these colors but they're still wearing like a solid colored talbot sweater and like really bright shiny lipstick 
and they look kind of yeah. insane. Like, look at her on her website, and she kind of just looks like a like real estate like eighties grandma, just like wearing mm. a ton of jewelry and like coral lipstick. Yeah, it feels hard to it feels hard to like rationalize this with how colors come in and out of style because thinking about I think I looked at Carol Jackson's mm-hmm. Google images and I swear I saw that like 80s 90s teal color um and On so every, that color yeah. is obviously like just not in style anymore and so it's interesting to think about how this is still dictated by like contemporary uh larger trends in fashion that is really interesting what gets me really a lot about color analysis though is that i think that like colors of your body in general change so much depending on what lighting you're in like it just doesn't seem like a very consistent like metric right because i tried to do the color analysis filter on tiktok and every single time i like switch places in my room the lighting would like change the color of my face and like i would get like a new color palette that looked good on me um it's probably because you didn't have a group of women yelling boo ugly at you (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Did you do it in like natural lighting Uh, or was it like studio? It was not natural lighting, but I feel like natural lighting was definitely the key to it. Probably. You Mm. need like a peanut gallery to like judge you. This reminds me. Yeah. I'm going to go live on Instagram and have people decide. Um, This reminds me of literally like this is a trend on TikTok. People would always talk about like poor people lighting. (laughs) But like the. Yeah, they would just be like, my videos always look like shit and like so grainy because like, I don't know what it is about the light bulbs in my house. You can always just tell when people are poor, like based on this lighting. I have poor person lighting in this room. Be honest. Be honest. No, my like house. No, I don't think um, so. I think it just looks like it's dark. So it's like, I'm yeah, picturing like one light bulb. But like in, um, I, I literally had lighting dysmorphia like my whole childhood, like teenhood for some reason, like all of the light bulbs in my house were so yellow and like i thought that i was like actually like i thought that Mm -hmm. my skin was orange but (laughs) like natural lighting i don't know it's really like changed my mind but um okay two things i think that asmr is another reason why this is popular because like i think we're now really aware of the fact that we engage in experiences just for the benefit of personal attention like at the height of my asmr addiction i would like book random free consultations with plastic surgeons and get massages and like manicures and stuff that I didn't actually need like the service of but I just wanted like someone to hold my hand or just like give me their undivided attention which is kind of rare these days like even when you're hanging out with your friends they're not gonna like pet you and like they're gonna be looking at their food and stuff I don't know if that's like weird but it's very like it's a very specific type of attention that's not emotional but it's like evaluative and analytical like you're being seen and perceived in this very specific and intentional way by like an expert Mm. which is like fun no I I actually can see why that's um really comforting yeah because that was like that is what seemed really attractive to me but whenever you were describing the experience of color analysis because I was like I actually would love to like sit in the center of like a large circle of women that are all just kind of like cheering me on or booing me depending on like what color looks good on me like that is (laughs) it's like the picture of the monkey that's like yes and (laughs) no No, that seems amazing. It does give like ritualistic mm-hmm. a little bit, kind of. It gives midsummer. Yeah, it's very <laughs> midsummer. Yeah, I don't know. I do think it is like um, we feel a weird. This does have a lot to do, I think, with like feeling personally like comforted. I think, especially with like the expert thing, right? Because I mm-hmm. love, I do actually love going to like the dentist or like the um, nail salon or to the doctor and just have the them just kind of like tell me what I need to do and I don't have to think about it or do my own research like I love the reliance upon somebody who's like an authority um kind Mm -hmm. of giving me like a good 
outlet to like kind of go about my own life. But I do think in terms of like um, beauty, this is like something that I think a lot of people should trust themselves with. Right. Um, But have fun. I think this seems like a fun thing to do. Right. Unless it's really like kind of making you feel really insecure or you avoid colors that are unflattering to you, like the (laughs) because I don't know. Our generation, I think, has like a perception issue, though. Like, as you guys know, the whole do not perceive me thing or just like general everyone diagnosing themselves with like dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. I think that these kind of services have taken on a new meaning for like the digital generation and just the sense that like you do need people to be fucking for real with mm-hmm. you about how you like look in the world. That's true. I think also I feel like this ASMR craving has to do with like the death of the kind of professional service class like department store ladies being really attentive I mean nail like uh the hair salon ladies like my grandma used to just go chill at the hair salon like multiple times a week um I was just thinking about this because I was at um Macy's just trying to mm -hmm. kill time and I was just like I get why this would have been appealing also my grandma like goes to the mall by herself constantly and like I think she like engages with these people but I was just like walking around I had my headphones on just like looking really like unapproachable and like I was like this is like not the right experience like why isn't anyone spraying perfume at me but all of the people like the attendants were really kind of like disconnected and like also on their phones not to be like everyone's on their phone but like mm-hmm. it's true that that type of interaction just like doesn't really happen yeah anymore. you do kind of have to force it like me and Biz went to where did we go Biz we went to, we went to the, the base. We went to Bergdorf's and I was literally like accosting every single perfume person that didn't want to talk to me. And I was like, I'm going to force you to sell me this perfume. Yeah, like, don't you guys make commission? I know. Like, what's going and I on? didn't buy any perfume because I wasn't going to, but I just wanted them to sell it to me. I wanted them to make me feel bad. Know. You know? Honestly, though. That's why you we got to go to Aritzia. We're, <laughs> like, we're taking like weird pictures of Paddington Bear, like stealing Dior lip oils. Dior yeah, lip oils. Like, oil. We're yeah. taking pictures of him doing like cosmetic highs. So I definitely understand why they didn't yeah. really want to talk to us. No. Hey, they're not allowed to act like you're weird. They're trying to sell you. Yeah, we were not giving yeah. approachable. But yeah, that's true. And then Biz did buy a perfume. So I'm just like, buy a perfume. Everybody. But sadly yeah. enough, speaking to the, the death of the professional service class, um, it was at the, what, Diptyque? counter and there was no one working there mm-hmm. so a lady from the Biredo mm-hmm. counter had to come give me professional service so mm-hmm. all in a day's work I guess it's so true um another thing I wanted to talk about is that there are a lot of these viral videos from um East Asian content creators going through like face types and I think different mm-hmm. countries have their own version like there are animal face types that are really popular in korea like puppy type cat type that are always used to describe k-pop idols japan has this really cute like sauce slash seasoning face type there's like soy sauce face and salt face um that are always used to describe men and then china has these phrases like shoehorn face goose egg face first love face that are kind of like poetic but like you know it when you see it um and i think all of like this type of content has a really high chance of going viral, but also personal color analysis has blown up in um, South Korea. Mm. And it's like a total rebrand from the American version of it, which is like this house call kind of sad, like empty mess, empty nester, American middle-class Avon lady vibe into these kind of like boutique studios that are super high tech and like luxury with like chic young women um, so I definitely see that kind of being a thing. Also, like, the color industry is, like, a thing, which mm, still, like, blows my mind, but, like, Pantone, et cetera, like, color forecasting, 
for like every single facet of like industry, like cars and like wall paint is like, it's hard to fathom how much um, money goes into that. But I think that color analysis could see a lot of success with rebranding and like merging lanes with a more Pinterest mood boardy type of aesthetic classification based on lifestyle or vibes instead of just like buy this color. Because when you think about it, things like Clean Girl and Cottage Core and like Cyber Y2K have color palettes built into them that we can recognize. Oh, yeah. But I think it can like inform decision making on an mm-hmm. even like more intense level. I do just still, I'm super hung up on like how archetypal everything is nowadays. Like I'm just so hung up on classification systems still. It just keeps getting larger and larger. Like, and I feel like as much as like I try to understand why it just kind of escapes me. It's because people are lost. Didn't you guys write an essay about this together? We did write an essay on this. Me and Alexi did. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm like, did you guys come to the thesis conclusion of this in a print magazine? <laughs> I forgot. I literally uh, forgot what we said. Yeah, shout out Harry. Congrats, Harry Gassel, for your new position at L. Much love from the family. Yeah, congratulations. No, classification is a vibe, though. Like, I hate to say it, but I don't know. It's it's hard, like, not to make this, like, Alexi therapy time, but, like, once you start, like, kind of getting good at this, it is, like, also a social activity, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people like when you can make snap judgments <laughs> or you can make, like, interesting observations like based on first appearances Mm -hmm. i think that's Um, true but i think people also find it bitchy sometimes which i've noticed in my own life is that people are like like you don't know everything about that person or like why are you saying that type of thing and i'm like please it's my um i don't know my my categorization brain just having a little fun tonight yeah i think as long as you keep it positive but sometimes i can say things that are like really too specific like oh my god like her philtrum is goals you know or like her facial harmony like i just need to stop sounding like a creepy race scientist <laughs> yeah they're like they're like shut up you you eugenicist go home oh uh, the eugenicism of it all wait can we talk about how like all of this was literally invented by 4chan though oh yeah i do really want to talk about that not like all of it not like the 80s parts but um yeah like looks maxing as a like concrete means of improving your lifestyle. Yeah, I finally I've been waiting to say this on the podcast for like months, but rest in peace, Kevin Samuels. Um, rest mm-hmm. may he rest in peace. I don't agree with the ninety nine point nine nine percent of what he oh, said. Where, but yeah, may he rest. I did think that's what you were gonna no, say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, because he is such a like. Uh, it's an individual view. So. Yeah. No, yeah, I know. Well, I just don't like, you know, I respect on the dead, right? He died really weirdly and tragically, but I just find this, I was always really... He was like yeah, a hypergamy right? coach in a way. He, he was, and also I just find this all, there's something so interesting about this, right? Because this did kind of come from like incelly, like YouTube slash like 4chan vibes, right? Which are very hyper-focused on like true masculinity and how to like enhance your masculinity. But it all comes from like extremely metrosexual people. Like Kevin Samuels was a fragrance reviewer on YouTube before he did anything else. And he's just like an image consultant who like works at department stores and did personal styling for men. Mm-hmm. So it's just like this to me is so interesting because it's so metrosexual. Also, just like uh, Jordan Peterson, 12 Year Rules for Life. That's such a aesthetically based book, right? Because it just basically is telling men to like shower and like look nice and be well-dressed and that sort of thing. A lot of these, also a lot of the recommendations are true, right? I do think, you know, you should shower. We haven't even talked about like alpha males. Like that is like the male version of the classification, but it has such a more like hierarchical thing Mm -hmm. because men don't understand the fun part of archetype is that they're kind of all on the same level. No, that's true. I mean, that's kind of into the, the feminine versus masculine 
energy thing, you know? We are not beating the gender <laughs> essentialist accusations. Yeah, that TikTok about gender uh, essentialism and oh yeah, feminine energy. Yeah, I guess the feminine energy thing gets more into like the pseudo 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 science side of it because mm-hmm. it just gets way more into like vibrations versus like yeah. Uh, but this is the thing though I feel like there's really not that much difference between like the super incel like men and women who are like super like dating strategists where they're like high value men like how to attract high value men or high value women or like this is things that like low value men do whatever it's not that different than people who are super woo woo that are like low vibrational high vibrational Mm -hmm. no it's true and what gets me a lot is like especially with the feminine and masculine energy thing that I see on TikTok is like, I am a little woo-woo and read a lot of like Eastern literature when I was like a teenager. And this is like yin-yang energy, basically. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the whole point of this since like day one, the whole point of that is like balancing that within yourself, not eliminating it. And I see like a ton of TikToks where yeah. it's like eliminate your masculine energy. It's making you mentally ill and depressed because like masculine energy means you're competing with men mm-hmm. and yeah and that is like that was never the point of any of this it was always just like balancing your energies and not letting one over overcome the other in both men and women right and so eliminating them just is going to create a bunch of assholes in men that's actually the best advice yeah yeah like yeah it's really giving um gender mm. accelerationism yeah it is but that, is that even what that means it just feels like we're being pushed to like extremes where it's just like we're going to become these expressions like in attempt to attain the other gender we're going to become like the worst possible version of like what our gender has to offer and it's going to be like playing mind yeah. games with people i used to have this personal joke that was like in the in the future like all women are gonna have only fans account all men are gonna be uber drivers and all like non-binary people are gonna work at the muji factory um and like that's what this feels like to me. Actually, it's so true. It's like men being like room, room, and then women doing like um, life on easy mode or whatever. And then of course the Muji factory is its own, you know. Yeah, Sam, you're so right. This that was a really important insight, and thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. But also, Muji fell off. So like, where are they gonna go? Um, but I was <laughs> gonna say that that's a really good insight because like it's so counterintuitive because it's like the fact that like women are creating this content that's like instructing women on how to kill the masculine part of themselves the more you get kind of like pilled like that i feel like it makes you more masculine because you're thinking in this like devious (laughs) and like psychotic Mm -hmm. way that is so like value driven and so essentially not feminine because you're Mm -hmm. not like you're not being emotional do you know what i mean like you kind of just quantifying vibes is always dangerous yeah and also it's like you're making like excel spreadsheets about how to be hotter instead of like going on a walk or like um yeah i don't know what women used to do to be hot um take pinching their cheeks or like rubbing beet juice on their cheeks you know it's all about feelings y'all like i think that the thing that has been taken out of this equation of like money time and sex is like feelings and how you feel about people Mm -hmm. and how that is truly not something that you can get from a tiktok you know like sometimes it feels really good to meet someone who defies all uh 
expectations of like what you had on a checklist but if you really really like them like that's the vibe it's true and like I understand that these lessons were important right but they're also like lessons that you don't need to learn from TikTok you can just learn from experience by entering (laughs) unwashed into the world like you're gonna watch I've seen people marry dudes that are totally broke and like it ruins their lives I've seen people marry dudes that are super rich and it ruins their lives like it doesn't matter how much money you have, you know, it doesn't matter like what kind of financial situation you're in. If you're marrying somebody for anything other than companionship, you know, or anything outside of companionship and like something in common and like a good balance, like you're going to be in trouble, you know? Um, And I also just, okay, I just want to list what TikTok defines as masculine versus feminine energy because I just think it's so fucked up. Like masculine energy is... We need to edit in some sound (laughs) effects. (laughs) Like vine boom effect. Yeah, shout out to Nick. (laughs) Nick knows like what's up. You know, he'll know which sound effect. Yeah. So masculine energy is defined as hardworking, achieving, and goal-oriented. And feminine energy is defined as generous, intuitive, and nurturing. And, like, can you imagine a man who thinks, like, the way to be masculine is to not be generous, not be intuitive, and not be nurturing? And can you imagine, like, a woman who thinks that being a woman means not being hardworking, not being achieving, and not being goal-oriented, and putting them in a marriage together and see what's going to happen? Real nightmare like, bro, marriage it's like, this is not going to work. <laughs> like, it just, this specific TikTok trend, like, drives me so insane, because I'm just like, you guys are so confused. And, like, I don't know where you're getting all this information from. Yeah, and it's also, like, you guys are literally making a checklist, and you're trying to act like you're not being goal-oriented. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, obviously, you have a fucking goal, girl. Like Crazy. Uh, okay let's see what else have we got here yeah sorry I, I really feel like I've been psychotic in this episode I apologize <laughs> um, no it's good I feel like you're talking a lot about marriage but I don't know if that's gonna be like that relatable to the youth. I know but maybe it will be I think it's fine I actually don't agree I think we came up from this generation that's like like oh like I want to get like I want to get married like tra- like all of our listeners like I'm a tra- trad teenager mm-hmm. that's so true yeah yeah I'm a trad non-binary teenager. Yeah, I'm a trad non-binary teenager. <laughs> many, many such cases. Guys, wait, do we feel like, do gay men even worry about stuff like this and lesbians? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um. I think there's a lot uh, of lookism in the, the gay men community. And the gay, yeah. community. The gay male community, yeah. And ageism. Yeah, I think yeah. it really affects, Um. but yeah, I guess we should note that this, the way this is presented online is pretty heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry about that. Heteronormative and gender essentialist. Yeah, we're not either. But, like, the fact that we're not, like, co-signing that, but we're just saying, like, what is going on. Yeah, we're know? just describing this. Yeah, we're actually just, we're just reporting because this has been something we have mentioned in passing for over a year in many different episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. So, here it is. Yeah, I just think... I feel like we forgot to talk about plastic surgery. I want to talk about Grimes' like, face. And I feel like there's this rebranding of plastic surgery vibes where it's like... Like, her interest and obsession with plastic surgery is kind of giving, like, the before and after ARCA trend where people, like, want to <laughs> look, like, biohacky, like, otherworldly, mm-hmm. like, plastic surgery for that type of, like, like futurist plastic surgery. Yeah. Grimes is a future vibe. This is, like, very, like, transhumanist vibes, yeah. But I also... Uh, I'm just thinking about the beauty myth. I'm just like, if only Naomi could see that, like, in this day and age, like, men are also, like, as obsessed with beauty as women are, kind of. I know. Well, eh, I do think, not generally, but I do think there's a higher amount of men that are more... I think I just did a lot of metrosexuals. <laughs> no, I do think it's become more of a thing, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I'm pretty critical of... 
I, I think archetyping is really fun, you know, and it can be kind of like a game, but I think in general, again, Wait, we should get the followers to archetype us. Yeah. Ooh, please. See, this is like where I was about to say like, it's bad, but I think I'm a winter, but I can't really tell. They say that only winters can wear like pure white oh. and everyone else has to wear like cream. Interesting. I feel like I look pretty good with pure white, but mm, no, I look better with cream. So maybe I'm not a winter. Yeah. I also like, okay, I don't really even know what my hair color is. It's definitely brown, but brown. like what kind of like shade of brown? <laughs> I know it's brown, but I just think like it just, I'm trying to like figure out exactly what kind of brown, you know? Yeah. I literally dye my hair like every five seconds. So not in like a blue hair liberal way, but in the sense of like Korean bubble dye. <laughs> That's like called milk tea brown. Cute. Um, but it's because I'm lost and I literally need a personal color analyst to tell me what to do. No, the color you have looks really good on you. See, this is what I'm saying. It's like you trust, you trusted your own instincts on what hair color you were going to choose and you chose a really good one. So I think people should trust themselves rather than trust archetypal like typifying of other people yeah well don't let this be sold back to you alexia is steeped in beauty archetypes like yeah, i am the archetypist in yeah. question. <laughs> so i feel like maybe call maybe call her on instagram before you dye your hair oh yeah uh, that's yeah. true i actually can give you advice on that oh that's um, true yeah it's, this whole thing is just an ad for my my new like side <laughs> you would be so good at image consulting for real like you would, you would slay that. Yeah. I would, I would literally hire you and I, and I want to hire you. I feel like we're all good at it. Like every time we've had a discussion about our, our images, I think we just like, like visually, like people that are just like interested in fashion or just like visual people, I think yeah. we just are predisposed. Like, I think we just underestimate how clueless a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. Um, yeah. But it's okay to be, that's like the, what I actually also want to add to this is like, this is totally not super important, right? Like, it's okay to be clueless about your personal style. Like, I personally will still respect you. And like, it's, you know, if you really want to get interested into it, like, it is fun. But, you know. Yeah, I like when people are like, I don't give a rat's ass about fashion. Yeah, me too. Like, when they say stuff like that, I find it really charming. And um, I think there are a lot of people that do feel that way. Would you rather, guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What... This is not a would you rather, but like what season do you guys think that you are? I guess we already mentioned this, but Sam, what do you think you are? I think I'm fall. Autumn. Autumn. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm going to dispute that. Like, Really? Okay. Like, I just can't picture you wearing like brown. Is fall brown colors? I wear like almost exclusively brown. Yeah. What? Because things get complicated though. Because like, for example, summer you would think is bright colors, but summer's actually like bleached out colors because it's like when the sun is really bright it makes everything look lighter it's like pastels yeah yeah which like it's kind of no but autumn is like what you think it is it is it's yeah. like it's like the fall colors oh yeah i know you're right hold on let me look at these really quick i did this and i was confused so maybe i'm like sam you're whatever the one is where it's like a white shirt and blue jeans <laughs> a white shirt and blue. okay that's like summer i guess but it kind of looks like or winter I think the best way of thinking about it is, like, do you have low contrast, like, high contrast features? I feel like your features are higher contrast, mm-hmm. maybe, right? What is high contrast versus low contrast? It means, it means like, there's a lot of contrast between, like, your skin. Your Like, Megan yes. Fox is really high contrast. No, that's true. I, I have pretty light skin. My eyebrows are, like, dark black. Yeah. We, I, I co-sign that for you. I think you might be summer. Summer, yeah. I think summer might be what it is. Wait, but... I'm summer and I feel like we have like the opposite 
You might be like contrast. a. There are like different ones in there, right? Like soft summer. Yeah, I saw that lady that yeah. was like, "Excuse me, actually, this is way more complicated than you thought it was." That old lady on TikTok. <laughs> They're actually sixteen. Yeah, yeah, something like that. They're like true, true summers, and I think you guys are are not so different. I think Biz, you're just like lower contrast vibes, but I think you. But Biz, you're quite pink. But yeah. I think Sam is also pink. I'm a little pink, but every that's another thing too, is that every single time I go to the mall or the department store and they find out my undertones, they're like, you're yellow. And I'm like, I can promise <sighs> you that I don't have yellow undertones. Like I can swear on, because like whenever I wear makeup for yellow underton- undertones, it looks like shit. And when I wear pink undertone makeup, it looks really good. So I think I'm a complicated yeah. one. I'm like a hard one, I think. And the thing about personal color analysis is there's 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 no licensing board, and that's why a lot of people are kind of just like crackpots doing it. Like everyone we could likes to act start super qualified. The but... alumni licensing board, or... <laughs> like actually, <laughs> like imagine if everyone had to pay us to pass the test. We would just like show them pictures of us for every. <laughs> 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 there's only one right answer. <laughs> yeah, um, I love that. I think we should also copyright the word summer winter. <laughs> <laughs> this is true yeah dude we should yeah. copyright the seasons we should copyright all the colors we're like the most seasonal podcast like there is in history like we we literally are a podcast about seasons. we have so much holiday mm-hmm. spirit Agreed. like nobody can compete yeah i guess we were just talking about how there's not really any big seasonally based trends this year like there was last year with christian girl autumn and and sugar cookie consumerism even like russian bimbo core mm-hmm. but like honestly uh, here we are again discussing I think the, the seasons. warming tees the what I think it's the global warming tea. Like, it's literally 70 degrees in yeah. New York right now. That is yeah. what it is, yeah. Like, we're not just feeling in the spirit. Like, everyone's wearing shorts still, and we're still like, okay, like, when am I going to pull out my bimbo core boots? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, that's why that's why all it's the true. girls had to start wearing Bermuda shorts recently. Because <laughs> it's just so hot that they have to wear the um, Adam Sandler shorts everywhere they go. That's transitional yeah. dressing, I yeah, guess. Yeah, no, dressing that Billie Eilish style is very transitional. Yeah. Very transitional, mm-hmm. yeah. Agreed. And so is Blowcat. Yeah, um, I think there there's overlap there for sure. All right, so let's think about a, another. Would you rather? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no. Can I want to do something with like the dandy and the rake? Dude, that literally sounds like a. Um, I think I have a good one. A children's poem. Go ahead. Okay, go on. Okay, would you rather be kidnapped by oh. a personal color analysis analyst, uh-huh. and she has you locked in a basement and? Um, does amnesia? She's um, hypnotist. She's amnesiac. She like has amnesia, and every day she forgets that you did the process, and you have to start it over. Oh shit! Or or be bound to like these are durational and last the same amount of time. Be bound to eat dinner at a um fancy hotel restaurant every night. And um, get a guy to make your food, but it's like really humiliating mm-hmm. because everyone thinks you're a prostitute. Wait, so I'm like locked in the basement, like I'm locked down there, yeah, and you're also locked in the restaurant, twenty four seven. Yeah, for like a week, maybe. Okay, a week. I get hungies, so I think I might you like. Don't have any to... money, so you have to find. A way oh to my get god, food. you're mm-hmm. right. I guess I could. I guess I could. Um, do the triangle eyes at the like the line cook number three. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a really good technique. Ooh, yeah. That's like a dark horse technique. Yeah. Skip the rich guy and go straight to the source. Go straight yeah. to the like classic su- it's a classic seduction relationship. It's like teach Amanda Fish vibes. <laughs> 
Yeah. He's still alive, but, like, he's the one making the food, like, on a desert island. Wait, guys, we're talking about chemistry, and there's no stronger chemistry between the hostess and line cook hostess number three. Hostess and line cook number three chemistry is next level, yeah. dude. I miss that yeah, so much. Oh, my God. No, okay, I really like the little line cook, little Mexican line cook boy that keeps, like, winking and kissing at you whenever oh the, t- the TikTok God. one. You know who I'm talking about? Yes. God, I love him. He's actually working at the restaurant. No, I know. <laughs> I forgot to Ooh, mention. Okay, so we have to go with that one, because I, I was going to say the yeah. yeah, color analysis, fatty old woman, but now that this guy's started into the equation, I'm going to have to go with that one. I miss mm-hmm. line cook number three. Mm-hmm. That's the hypergamy secret. He is a different seduction architect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. We need to make our own and it's like line cook like, metrosexual. Metrosexual. <laughs> what else? Oh my god. We, we yeah. need like at least two more. We've talked about Riz, right? Yeah, we've talked about yeah. Riz. Actually, I feel like Riz conversation is on the come up right now. It is. I saw like people commenting stuff like bros the Rizzler. <laughs> 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 Wait, on your photos or no, just on like uh people. I think one of the things that people are doing are like posting their like hidden screenshots of like yeah. how they like approach a woman and yeah or like videos of awkward encounters being like bro has negative riz like it always just really makes me laugh. The Rizzler is really funny. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. There's this really terrible uh, screenshot that this girl on TikTok just posted. She's like an average e-girl um, vibe, but Julian Casablanca sent her this like bizarre DM. That mm. was like I saw you on my like it was negative Riz, but it made me laugh really hard. And I commented about him being the Rizzler, and it's getting a lot of like from. Oh, people. that's so funny! <laughs> yeah, he has like he has like a really strange relationship with the Riz, where he's like historically really Rizzed up. Mm-hmm. So, like it seems like something has gone wrong with him in the past. He's years. lost his Riz over the past few years. I'm gonna now. read it. Yeah. And we need to say what seduction technique architect he is. All lowercase, howdy, period. IG showed me pictures of you even though I try to focus on art and human-like animals and people fighting, dot, dot, dot. So I thought I'd say a respectful, platonic, hello, psychic pal, maybe, dash the Mm. end. It's giving dandy. Salute, salute emoji, returning to self-imposed solitude, flower emoji, flamingo emoji. Yeah. Okay, that has to be the dandy. It's giving dandy. That's not offering much else to me. It's actually kind of giving coquette. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no. Coquettes are seriously on the come up. Hello, psychic pal. Coquette, as defined by Robert Greene, is like, it's like a cat and mouse thing, and that is not cat and mouse. But like, a, a coquette version would be like, hi, and like, then like leaving them on red or being higher cute high deleting your instagram <laughs> yeah wait also i want to say shout out to anthony bomba who um made the bbl effect famous on tiktok and i think invented it mm-hmm. because they recently made a coquette parody video <gasps> and i was like anthony is literally the gatekeeper of the dominant feminine ideal <gasps> that like, is you know so that like true you know we're entering a new era of feminine energy when anthony bomba makes a video parodying it wow this is true yeah. i think Shout i'm gonna to say that um i'm gonna say that julian casablanca's is the ingenue the ingenue <laughs> that's wait is that is that one of the types am i on the right the 13 feminine seduction archetypes no that's a different one yeah there's only nine. Oh fuck there's only nine techniques oh the types, nine sorry. okay yeah okay um, I like the wind windbag. Okay, I I really like. I've been using the word windbag. <laughs> I have. This is another. Oh, word. I was like, is that one of them? <laughs> That's not one of the archetypes. No, it's like one of the bad archetypes, one of the like victim archetypes. <laughs> yeah, it's a victim. Yeah. yeah, but I actually I've been using the word windbag as of late. 
this has been something. What does it mean? Um, it means you talk too much. Like a back wind. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, would you guys rather go on a date with the windbag or <laughs> Julia Casablancas minus his ribs? Minus his ribs. Hmm. Julian Casablanca. I think it's obviously Julian yeah. Casablanca. That wasn't a very good one. Wait, who, <laughs> who do we feel like a male celebrity version of a windbag is? Kind of Timmy Chalamet. Think in my that Jack Harlow is because oh. he has so much riz. You the know what coquette. I mean? No, he's 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 the, no, he's the star or the charismatic or the charmer. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you guys know who Harvey Firestein is? Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Firestein. I'm thinking Harvey of like Weinstein. The Tim and Erica guy, but he's obviously neither of those. He's that guy in Independence Day that's like, Ma, you gotta get out of the city, you know? No. Never mind. Why what happened? Just do it! Oh, Ma! Ma, listen, oh, get your stuff together and uh, head for NS. Don't argue with me, just go! With, oh yeah, I mean he looks like what I was picturing. <laughs> I feel like he's a windbag. Would you guys go whether go on a date with the Riddler or the Rizla? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the Rizzler should be the new Joker. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Um well I think Barry Ke- Keoff has like Riz for sure. So yeah. <laughs> us versus like never learning about it the same. <laughs> I know the Irish people will never be set free because of us. Yeah. Um <laughs> He has a kid, so I would yeah. say his racist. You're part, kidding. So. Yeah, he loves women. He's always had... I've been a fan of his for a while, and he always had, like, a normal Irish girlfriend. And yeah. he's on he's on his second one now. Really? So they are, had a child, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I will say that Naomi Wolf, one of the things that she says that I find, you know, is very, like, heteronormative vibes, but she's like, there's nothing that can undo misogyny more or, like, that can save us more than, like, a man who actually truly loves women and that's i think what like do we think the rizzler is like that or do we think that he is just you know seducer type that mm-hmm. just is like in it for the game i think that's complicated because yeah. that's kind of how the, the the male break is defined like you're like obsessed with women mm-hmm. oh. but like truly loving women i guess is something that is different well the thing is is i think a lot of people think that being patronizingly like um almost like a groveling towards women is loving women. But I do think Rizzler might love women more because it's almost like um, he respects that this is like a, a force to be reckoned with. And you have to kind of like um, increase your Riz in order to combat it and almost like neutralize and <laughs> yeah. balance it, you know? At its core, Riz is about making women happy. I don't think that <sighs> negging is Riz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that we're definitely in a Riz deficit currently hugely as well as how we're we're in a subprime riz crisis Mm -hmm. yeah definitely (laughs) some prime a riz recession Um, (laughs) oh my god yeah so what else oh i wanted to know if you guys would rather be married to robert green or to miss carol jackson of color me beautiful fame I don't know because Robert is a good person. Um, he doesn't seem like he is, honestly. I want him to write a book about like being a dad or something. I'm just like, how are you applying that into like other shit? Let's see if he, um, he has yeah. a family and children. Carol Jackson fell off. I'm not gonna lie, so I think she might be upon some hard times just based on her website design. But also, that book must be selling really well. I feel like Carol Jackson owns like a ton of horses, and she's like chilling. 
Oh, guys. Okay. Um, yeah. Update. Robert Greene is married to this rockabilly, like, um, like cabaret style girl who directed The Love Witch. You know that movie? What's her name <gasps> again? Anna Biller. Guess, guess what? I read that he said he seduced her by being a reformed rake. <laughs> God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Well, The Love Witch is all about seduction, so I guess they're both obsessed with that concept, but... Yeah, they probably have a lot in common, and they probably have really weird sex. Imagine the riz that must have been... Rizzling. ...going on, mm-hmm. mutually. I would have... Yeah, I, I would pay to see, like, their conversation. Probably. Yeah, honestly, riz on riz crimes are very real. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Love Witch is such, like, I feel like women across the coquette to, like, siren field will be mood boarding that movie for ages. Mm-hmm, forever. Yeah. Of eternity. She Yeah, it's haunting. I actually haven't seen that movie. Do you have to though? I mean like I've seen the gifts. Yeah. I've seen yeah, true. the Halloween costume. I think you get the gist of it. She also directed a movie called Three Examples of Myself as a Queen. So <laughs> cool. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, she's also Asian. I think she looks a little Asian actually. Yeah. Oh my god, not him bagging the first Asian in all history. <laughs> <laughs> he does looks like she's into a lot of like costume dramas. It's and giving she, like Dita Von Teese. Yeah, she's like rockabilly burlesque girl. Okay, so I think I would rather I don't know. I do feel like Carol Jackson has a very namaste life with horses now. Like I can just see her being kind of um living a spiritual life and having some money. But Robert Greene, I don't think I had lived, it would be really hard to live with a man who had dedicated his entire personal and professional career to like Riz studies and Riz sciences. Mm-hmm. That'd be hard. I'm going to say Carol. Yeah, I would marry him, but I want to keep Anna around, you know? So you want to be their sexy little third? <laughs> yeah, I think I could, I could <laughs> learn a lot from them as their protege. I feel like that would like, I, I, I can't tell if someone, these type of people would be kind of like polyamorous or if they would be like very monogamous. I'm going to guess probably the second because, yeah. wait, the first. The first, wait, yeah, definitely the first. Yeah, the polyamorous, that's what I meant. Dude, she's, yeah. mm. anyone that does burlesque, that's just a polyamorous. Um, okay. Any other final thoughts? Wait, or, wait, wait, wait. I'm reading her Wikipedia page and she said, I want to make a film about Bluebeard because I have a yearning to see more quality films for women like the ones that were made in Hollywood's golden age. What the fuck is she talking about? Like a haunted pirate Bluebeard? (laughs) (laughs) No, like this is like a tie back to our last episode, but quality films for women like in Hollywood's golden age? Like, I think she just wants to have a hot guy as the lead that's like masculine. I don't really know what that means. No, because I... But it's Bluebeard? Like, I I don't know what she's talking about. I guess it's like she loves archetypes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know who else loved archetypes? Helmet. MGM? Wait, there is. What? Hamilton? Oh, Helmet. <laughs> oh, are we going to talk about Helmet Newton? No, no, I don't think we should. I have to honk you, me, 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 me. Yeah. Yeah, we can pack it up. Yeah, I'm very tired. Um, do you guys think that we should crowdsource a femininity coach for ourselves i would yeah, love I that yeah if you guys i would too i want to i want to read their ebook like the the, the downloadable 15 dollar ebook that i could purchase Wait, we should talk about andrew tate but he's over um, Dude, people got so mad at me because when i did a q a on instagram stories 
um, I didn't know who Andrew Tate was and someone asked me my opinion on him, of him and I was like, I don't know, he looks pretty swaggy and people were really mad. But I just <laughs> want to clarify, like, I didn't know who he is. Like, I don't know who he was. I thought he was just some random Italian guy. Educate yourself. <laughs> oh, damn. I just Jim has Google deficit, Google deficit disorder. Yeah, I just like didn't. I Googled him quickly and looked at a photo of him and I was like, hmm, cool glasses. Well, he just converted to Islam. So. Did he really? Did he actually do that? Do we think all these things are replacing religion vibes? Like, I think that might be true. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, we were talking about astrology, and I was like, astrology turned into Instagram Catholics. And then, like, here we are. So, mm-hmm. yeah. This oh, is yeah, definitely, right. like, a very false idol tree, though. So maybe stick with the something else. Yeah, stick with <laughs> You are worshipping a false idol. Mm-hmm. But it's like the false idol is yourself, but like a version of yourself that's it's, really good at dating. It's mm. the Rizla. <laughs> true, true. I would form a cult around a Rizzler. There's no Rizzlers left to form cults. I feel like Jared I, Leto. I know one or two. Mm. Does he have the Rizzlers? Mm. Uh, okay, well. Okay. Well, everyone, thanks so much for listening this week. I think this was a really interesting episode. Really fun to kind of like come full circle after thinking about these things and mentioning them to you all for over a year now. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully this was as interesting to listen to as it was, I think, to kind of dive into more. Mm -hmm. We love you guys. We would love if you guys want to fund Feminine um, or like fund our image consulting dreams, like you could just send us an email and we can figure something out. (laughs) We can figure something out. Yeah, we'll do an episode on it. Thanks for all the um the beautiful uh support on recent episodes and sending us emails. They mm-hmm. were all very heartwarming mm-hmm. and made us very happy. Yeah, we're so. we're working on replying to them. Thank you so much to you guys. We love you. Yay! Yay. Okay, should we end? <laughs>